Today we continue in our series called The Jesus I Need, Not the Jesus That I Want. And as we've been saying over the last several weeks, it's a really important series for us as uh, we get ready for Good Friday and Easter and the culmination uh, of the Christian church. Because many times in, in our lives, uh, we can shape Jesus into what he, we want him to be because he's the all-powerful God and we know it. He has all power. He can do anything he wants. He spoke things into existence. And because we know that, we can sometimes turn Jesus into a genie-like character where we have these wishes, these wants, and we expect him to act. And so it's really important for us that we open up God's word and see who Jesus is and what he came to do. The difficult part for us is when our wants seem to be our needs. When when something that we want so badly, we are convinced we need it. And there's probably no better example of this than when a loved one is sick and on their deathbed. And we pray to Jesus, please, please heal them. Prevent this. And so today, we are going to look at a section of Scripture where some sisters thought this very same thing. They wanted Jesus to prevent death. And what we find in John chapter 11 is that we have a God who provides something even greater for you and me. John chapter 11, John is one of the books of the Bible. The Bible is one book made up of 66 individual books Four of those books are what we call the Gospels. They're the biographies of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We are in John chapter 11, and Jesus receives word from his very good friends, Mary and Martha, that their brother Lazarus is sick, and he's about to die. And they ask Jesus to come. And Jesus gets there, but four days late. We pick up in John chapter 11 as Jesus approaches the small town of Bethany, which is two miles outside of Jerusalem, where Mary and Martha lived as many people gathered to mourn the loss of Lazarus. John chapter 11, here's what we're told. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Stop right there. Martha hears that Jesus has come. He's on the outskirts, and she wants a one-on-one conversation with him. And so she heads out to meet Jesus, and notice what she says. Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. 
You could have prevented this, Jesus. We've seen you heal so many people. You've done it again and again and again. If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You could have prevented this. Sounds like a lot of people today, doesn't it? Jesus, you could prevent this. You could have done it. But you didn't. You weren't here. Jesus, you had the power to heal and you didn't. And yet Martha shows signs of faith too, doesn't she? She says, you could have prevented this, Jesus. However, she says, but now I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. She says, you could have done this, you could have prevented it, but I know that even now, even though my brother's dead, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus says, great, but let me clarify a minute. Notice what he says. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus says, hold on a second there, Martha. Let's clarify something. Great faith. But Jesus isn't someone who has to go to the Father and ask permission. Jesus holds death and life in his hands. Jesus is God himself. He doesn't need to go and pray and ask God, and and it's not like he just has special access to God. He is God. He holds the power of death and life in his hands. And he says, understand, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. He's not just somebody who prevents death. He's the God who gives life. And if you're a note taker, that's your first point this morning. Jesus doesn't just prevent death, but he gives life. He doesn't just prevent death, he gives life. This is what he's trying to to clarify to Martha. I don't have to go off and ask God's permission. I can do it myself because I myself am God. I hold the power of life in my hand. You talk about comfort for Martha and for you and me. Jesus says, whoever whoever believes in me will live even though they die. For those who, who believe in Jesus as their Savior, when they die, their existence isn't over. They continue to live in eternity with Jesus because he holds the power of death in his hand. The physical body wastes away, but the soul, the very essence of who we are, will live forever when we believe in Jesus as our Savior. And Jesus has the power to not only give us life eternal, but he has the power to raise the dead. What a tremendous promise for you and me. What tremendous comfort as our loved ones who believe in Jesus die, they aren't, it, it, their existence isn't over. We will see them again when we join them in heaven. But there's also a tremendous promise for you and me and for Martha. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. We will never cease to exist. We will remain forever. Yes, our bodies will waste away, but you have the promise right now 
that death is just a passageway into eternal life next to your Savior's side because of Jesus. You talk about hope and comfort and confidence in this world. Jesus says when you believe in him, you will never cease to exist, but you will live forever. Because Jesus isn't just someone who can prevent death. He is someone who literally gives life. And he's done that for you, and he's done it for me, and he's done it for all of our loved ones who have died believing in Jesus as their Savior. That's what Jesus is saying here. Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe it? Martha says, Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Again, Lord, you could have prevented this. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. Let's stop right there. Did you notice what's so incredible about that section? If you were writing a story about God, who has all power, who knows exactly what he's going to do, who knows that in just a few moments he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, how do you think you'd write him into the story? If it was me, I, I think I'd, I'd write him in with a big grin on his face. Everyone's crying, and, and he just has a grin. Just wait and watch what's about to happen, guys. It's okay. Someone with hope and confidence, and yet what do we see from Jesus here? He's crying. He's weeping. He's mourning at the death of a loved one. What else do we see is in verse 38 where it says, Jesus once more deeply moved. The, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and the Greek word uh, for that does mean deeply moved, but it's deeply moved with indignation. Jesus is angry. And so what do we see from our Lord and Savior, from our God? At the grave site, what, is he, what emotions does he have? He's crying because he's sad and he's angry. The same two emotions that a lot of us feel at the death of a loved one. Sadness and anger. But what's Jesus angry about? Who's he angry at? Well, he's not angry at God. He's not angry at himself. He's not angry with Mary and Martha. He's not angry with the crowd that's there. 
He's not angry at Lazarus because he died. He's angry because death is in the world. He's angry because that's not how he created this world with death in it. He created human beings to live forever, and yet death has entered the world through sin. He's angry at the devil who deceived Adam and Eve and led them astray and now has brought all this hurt and pain to his loved ones. It's incredible because Jesus, the God of this world, isn't unempathetic. In fact, in death, Jesus empathizes with us. It's your second point today. Jesus empathizes with us over death. And that's incredibly comforting for you and me. How many times at the death of a loved one do we feel that no one can relate? No one can understand. We go to our bedroom and we lock the door. We want to be alone and we feel so alone. And yet the God of this world doesn't sit up in heaven at a far distance and he can't relate to you. Instead, the God of this world who promises he is with you always knows exactly how you're feeling because he's felt it. He's wept at the graveside of a loved one. He's been angry at the graveside of a loved one because death is in the world. You talk about comfort because the God of this world knows how your heart feels. He knows exactly what your heart needs to heal it. He knows exactly how to comfort you when you need that comfort. And so in those moments, let's not run from him, let's run to him because he knows what your heart needs. And for Mary and Martha, he not only brought comfort, but he did something about it. Here's what we're told. It was a cave, the tomb was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. So unlike us where we we bury people in the ground, they, they did a cave and you walked right in, and then you put a big stone in front, similar to Jesus' tomb. And so that's what Lazarus was buried in. Jesus comes to the tomb, and he says, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Four days. Four days in the tomb. Maybe dead five days if they didn't get him into the tomb on the first day that he died. But for sure he's been dead for four days. And Jesus stands at the entrance of the tomb and simply speaks. Lazarus, come out. And the dead man comes out. The dead man who once was dead is now back alive and he exits the tomb as if he's never even been dead. Because Jesus is the giver of life. Jesus holds death in his hands. Jesus defeats the grave. 
Think of how amazing this is. The, the disciples had seen Jesus heal, heal people. They saw him bring a, a dead girl back to life. But the ones he had raised before had been dead for a couple of hours. This guy has been dead for four complete days, and Jesus brings him back. The power that Jesus has. The love that he has for Lazarus. The love for Mary, for Martha, and the love for you. We may not see it on the pages of Scripture here, but you are in this story. I am in this story. Here's how. Do you know how the the end of this chapter ends? I'm guessing no. (laughs) The the end of this chapter uh, ends uh, with all the, the people from Jerusalem had come out to be with Mary and Martha to mourn. And, and what happened? Part of that group were the Pharisees and the Jewish religious leaders. And uh, you would think that when you see Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, that you would instantly believe in him, right? Not the Pharisees. The Pharisees saw Lazarus come out of the tomb, and the Jewish religious leaders said, we've got to kill him. We have to kill Jesus. He's getting out of control. You see, it was this event, Jesus calling Lazarus from the tomb, that set the plan in place and in motion to kill our Lord and Savior Jesus. From this point on, the plan started for Jesus to die. And he knew it would. If you knew that you were going to do something which would lead to your death, would you do that thing? Not me, but Jesus did. Why? Because of love for you and me. Because what you and I need is someone to defeat the grave. And yes, he brought Lazarus back to life, but do you know what ends up happening to Lazarus later on? He dies again. He dies again. We need someone to defeat the grave who's going to raise us to life to be immortal, to never die again. And that was what our Savior was here to do. And yet he didn't just do it by calling it from the grave. He didn't just say, away with sin. Jesus had to die to pay for the sin that was brought into this world which caused death. And that's what this, that's what this miracle did. It set into motion Jesus' death on the cross where he paid for all the sins that brought death into the world. It's this event that led Jesus to his own death, to his own tomb, where he experienced his own death and rested in his own grave. But it was this event that would then lead to three days later, Jesus' own stone stone being rolled away and his own grave clothes left behind as he rose from the dead, immortal, glorious, on Easter morning, with death fully defeated for you and me. This is what this event is all about. Jesus defeating the grave for you and me. He is the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in him will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in him will never die. Your last point today. Jesus loves you so much, he went through death to bring you life. Not just life 
physically like we experience it right now. But because Jesus died and rose again, you will live forever, immortal. He will raise you back to life at the end to reunite your body and soul. And you will live with an immortal body never to die, never to mourn, never to cry, never to be angry at death again because death will be gone forever. All because of our Savior Jesus who defeated the grave. As we close up here, I want, I want to talk about just three application points from this. Number one, believe in Jesus. Notice what Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Eternal life is yours only through faith in Jesus as your Savior. Only through faith in Jesus as your Savior do you have the resurrection and the life, the defeat of the grave, immortality. And so let's grow our faith. Let's be in the Word of God. Let's be in worship together where we hear the Word of God. Let's be in Bible study, small groups that we call connect groups, where we grow in God's Word so that our faith grows deeper in the resurrection and the life. Because it's only by believing in Him that you have the resurrection and the life. Number two, be comforted by him. When death touches our families, and it will at some point in our life, let's not run from Jesus, let's run to Jesus, because Jesus knows exactly how you feel. He knows how you're sad, he knows how you're angry, and he knows how to comfort your hearts, because he's felt the same thing. Run to him. Be comforted by him. And then number three, have hope and confidence. This world is so bleak. This world's future, if you watch the news, is depressing, and it looks like it's going downhill, and it is. And yet for you and me as Christians, we have hope and confidence in this world because we have the resurrection and the life. No matter what happens in this world, this, this life is not it. We have eternal life to look forward to because of our Savior Jesus who's defeated the grave. And so I have hope and confidence and be that beacon of light and hope in this world of darkness because we have eternal life through our Lord and Savior Jesus. May God be with you as you grow in Jesus, grow your faith in your Lord and Savior who's defeated the grave. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, the Savior of the world, our Savior, who's defeated the grave. We thank you for facing death yourself. We thank you for uh, going to the grave, going to the cross and then to the grave, uh, and then rising from the dead. Uh, what comfort you bring our souls as we live in this world filled with death. We know for sure that you defeat the grave because you are our God, who's not only brought Lazarus back from the dead, but you died and rose yourself. We thank you for defeating the grave so that one day you will look and, and tell death to let us go and remove the grave clothes because we will come out of our tombs to live forever with you in eternal life. Uh, what joy that brings us today, what comfort that brings us today, we ask that you help us to grow uh, closer to you, the resurrection and the life. In your name we pray, amen.